the project. Kuwait. Learn. Hey guys, welcome to the project Kuwait. And today we have got the guys from Kuwait Scorpions. We've got Hussein and Aziz. They're talking to us about grassroots rugby in Kuwait and their aspirations to make it to the Olympics with their Kuwait rugby team. So these guys are going to continue on for a little while. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on it. Obviously, you can follow us at, at the Project Kuwait. Any feedback at all that you have for the guys, any questions at all that you have for the guys, you can DM us straight through. And also any training and their upcoming competitions and stuff that you can go watch down in Al Ahmadi. Ahmadi, yeah. There we go. Again, again there, down there. Then you can see that in the show notes, or you can go straight through to their Instagram. And okay. we're gonna post their schedule for the remainder of the year up on our Instagram page, and probably send it out in a newsletter. So definitely go check them out for sure. And Thank without further ado, here's the episode. Enjoy. All this and more in today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the project. I love doing intros like that where we're still talking or laughing about something. (laughs) So today we are joined by the uh, Kuwait Scorpions. This is Liam's wheelhouse, right, uh, buddy? Yeah, man. Yeah, coming back to the old rugby days. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing. I have absolutely no idea about rugby in Kuwait. So, like, I've been here long enough. And uh, actually, it's just a couple of my friends used to, I think, play play with you guys. But no, it'd be really, really interesting to actually hear a little bit more about what you're doing and also a little bit about the history of rugby in Kuwait, right? Because, I mean, even coming from the UK, it's not like we kind of hear, hear much about stuff, even sport going on in, uh, in, in the Middle East. So, I mean, uh, like, how long? I think you said just it was like 1946? Yeah, so Kuwait Scorpions like was actually started in 1946. So, obviously, oil massive in Kuwait. So, the oil field workers who came over from the UK, they would play with the British military. So the first game was recorded in 1946 between okay. the British oil field workers and the British military. So this was part of KOC, right? Kuwait Oil Company, which back then, British Petroleum. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been going on for a long time, but I've got some amazing pictures. Again, I'll have to send them to you later, but there's some of the KOC archives from like the 1950s. It's all these black and white photos and they're like sand pitch. Yeah. They're all playing on oh, the sand amazing. and yeah, so been around for a long, long time. As I say, I bet that'd be a massive difference from uh, from the green, the, green yeah. grass of home there. For nice, for some of those green. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? We didn't, we didn't even tell people your names. <laughs> My name is Abdelaziz Sadri. I am the chairman of the club, and I'm also a member of the KOC Rugby Committee. And my name's Hussein Al-Hilal. Again, I'm the club manager and also part of the KOC Rugby Committee. And we both play, right? So we do the admin, but we also play. And I also coach at the same time. I think the admin's probably the harder part, huh? Right. <laughs> Deal, it's, dealing it's, with the headaches. The most stressful part, definitely. Yeah. Part of uh, the other things about the history of the club, the club was also part of the founding, let's call them the founding members of even rugby in the Gulf area. Back then, uh, we were kind of uh, the top, I think it was the top 10 clubs that went in and established a league between the Gulf states. Um, of course, other Gulf areas grew larger within their rugby uh, community. Kuwait stayed basically the same in this situation. So you have other areas, for instance, uh, UAE is the biggest one. They have multiple clubs, they have uh, good funding, they have a league, they host the uh, Dubai Sevens, which is part of the uh, series, uh, Rugby Seven series. And uh, they're doing it very well over there. And then you have two other entities, Bahrain and Qatar, are also very big uh, um, rugby entities you have. And then Muscat of Saudi Arabia. 
Muscat a little bit more, Saudi Arabia, uh, you could call them the least establishment than us. But they are growing, um, you know, because they they actually have a, a rugby union in Saudi. So they have multiple teams playing around the country. The biggest issue for them is hosting home games. So typically in our league, we're part of Asia rugby. So Asia rugby would be like UEFA you have in soccer, right? So you have FIFA, who's the international organization. Then you'd have UEFA, who have the European side. So we're part of Asia rugby, which is below world rugby. So in our conference, it's the Gulf Conference, Asia Gulf. So we have six teams, right? You've got teams from everywhere that Aziz just told you. Um, but I think the biggest thing that Saudi have is, is hosting home games, whereas the other teams, it's easy. Like visas are always a big issue with us, right? So it's not like in the UK where you just get, get on a bus and go yeah, 20 minutes down the road and that's your, that's your away game right here. There's the logistics, going back to admin being the biggest problem logistics of booking flights, getting visas, getting people to the airport on time, getting people back on time. And so it's it's a sport that's growing, but it's not without its uh, its barriers, right? So speaking of the growth, comparatively, you say Kuwait, we've had rugby here since what, 1946, right? Yeah. So what about the other Gulf countries? I mean, what about Dubai? I mean, I'm assuming Dubai's probably yeah. just recent, probably over the last 10, 15 years, maybe. maybe I think 20. since the 80s. Oh, the seventies wow. to the eighties. So we were it. the first, right? So we oh, were the really? first That's team amazing. in the GCC. And again, I think is because we were exploring oil and gas, and we had a lot of foreigners coming in, right? So the British, it's big sport in the UK, they wanted somewhere to play. And as those people started going to other countries in the GCC, they started taking the game with them to all the other places. Majority of the games that they used to have here was just basically these engineers or KOC, British uh, Petroleum uh, workers against the military. Back then, it was mostly the British military that they played against, and this is what was the annual game that they uh, played against each other. We kind of continue that tradition, uh, um, but we've added also the U.S. military now to it. So on an annual basis, we would be playing against the military, um, the U.S. military, and then whenever the British, either military or Navy, arrives here, we would play against them. So we would like to, we of course continue this tradition since the beginning of 1946 until today we have the same thing that's happening. That's, that's amazing. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like baseball in Kuwait. You know, we've had it, we were pretty much the first in the Gulf, you know, yeah. I think in the 1980s, but yet we're the least developed. <laughs> so I think we, I think we all have something in common here, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what are the age demographics that, you know, play rugby here in Kuwait? Like, what age groups are jumping into it? Is Are you getting more of the older guys that are coming in? Do you guys focus on trying to get the kids? Because in baseball, one of my big things before I, you know, before I stepped away last year to come into the project was we need kids. We need the youngest kids because that's the future. Those are the kids you want to bring up yeah. through the ranks. And baseball in Kuwait, no one really knows this, but in, I think, 2008 and 2009, we were three outs away from going to the Little League World Series. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, Tad, that, Tad, yeah, Tad Cruz yeah. Um, was coaching that team, I believe. I think it was Tad Cruz, and we were three outs away. We we were playing Uganda. Uganda, man, they they got some ball players over there. <laughs> they got some, they got some big kids. They got some ball players over there, and you know they beat Kuwait out, obviously. But we had kids that grew up from t-ball all the way through the ranks together, and it made such a difference when you're playing with these kids for you know 18 years or 14 years or whatever. So how is it for you guys? So maybe Aziz wants to talk a bit about the Kuwait Saracens first. Yeah, well, at the beginning, there was only one club in Kuwait. 
that club was the Kuwait Scorpions, like we mentioned. Um, part of the club, it went down to, you could say, six-year-old all the way to your vets. Now, about 10 years ago, there was a separation that happened. So the Saracens grew from this. Saracens, basically, they take the youth part. So all of the kids from six, sometimes even three-year-olds, all the way up. Of course, the three-year-olds, it's just for fun. They have them. But typically, the six-year-olds are their main uh, um, starting point. And then it goes all the way up to 17, 16-year-old uh, kids. What we do is we take those 17 and 18-year-olds at the, our club, and then we go all the way up to whoever feels like playing rugby. So we have people that are in their 40s, 50s uh, playing with us, and then everything in the middle between that. A majority of the demographic that we have are in their 20s, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, mostly then, in uh, mid-20s to 30s. Yeah. 30s, uh, we have, we used to have a vets uh, team. The vets team has kind of dwindled down now. Most of the vet players play with the younger um, uh, teams. But Yeah, so they're coaching the Saracens. A lot of them transitioned into coaching rather than playing. However, in uh, February, we have a vets tournament in Bahrain. So that'll be good. It'll be the first time in a few years that we've put a vets team. So it's good because vets, they're going to be playing. It's a smaller version of the game, so it's 10s. 10 aside rather than 15 aside okay. and it's 20 minute halves rather than 40 minute halves so they can relax a bit more <laughs> get a bit of a <laughs> yeah, yeah they can get a breather in at half time but uh now we're excited for this like i say we have the vets team that we're putting forward as a very strong team i mean these are a team that could quite easily go and win this tournament so they're probably one of the youngest vets teams i've ever seen so vets is typically 35 and above So we have quite a few guys at that 35 to 38 years old oh, range, yeah, yeah. but they could be going up against guys who are in their 50s or 60s, so <laughs> it's a bit stranger. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have, um, like I say, from demographic perspective, age, all ages, even nationalities, like people say as clubs like the United Nations, right? Because you've got guys from the UK, from the US, you've got a lot of Fijian players, Obviously, Arabs, we have like Lebanese, Egyptian, Kuwaitis. We have maybe six active Kuwaiti players. Oh, that's amazing. And so you got guys from New Zealand, Australia, just any country you can think of. So it's cool. It's it's a really good mix of places. Like it's a good place for people to come, whether it's just they want to get fit, whether they want to learn how to play rugby, or whether it's just for a lot of the expats, they want something to be involved in rather than just work, sleep, work, sleep. So... It's a good uh, yeah. It's a good I'd like to add also to this that uh, not only different age groups, but even different levels. So you have the beginners that are coming in and you also have the people that were ex-pro players or uh, uh, semi-pro players or college players that uh, have a very, very big experience or levels. So we accommodate for everybody. We want to teach the game and grow it in the country. So we do have that different types of uh, scenarios that are coming in. Oh, that's amazing. Now, how hard has it been to recruit players? Recruiting is difficult. Yeah, well, you, got, you got a guy right here that you can recruit. <laughs> I, I definitely recruit this guy. He's But like, I, I know for a fact, <laughs> you see how much he keeps clean? <laughs> that's the issue though, right? I get, so every, um, every off season, I get maybe 30, 40 emails or direct messages on Instagram or what have you saying, I want to play next year. Please tell me, like, when is training? How do I, how do I join? And so I send all the information and then I, I'll message Aziz. Oh, amazing. We've got this guy. He used to play in South Africa. Oh, we got this guy. He used to play in New Zealand or whatever comes around to the season. A week goes by. 
doesn't show up. A month goes by, <laughs> none of them show up. And then it's the end of the season and they haven't shown up. So it's, we understand, right, that the majority of people who are interested in rugby are typically expat because they know about the sport. But again, most of them are here to work. So a lot of them, like yourself, they work in gyms and a gym schedule. It's not, it's not going to let you come out to rugby training. You know, we train Mondays and Wednesdays from seven till nine in Ahmadi. That's peak training time yeah, yeah. for for a lot of the gym guys. And then getting young Kuwaitis involved is also difficult because by the time you get to 18, most of us, you know, we go off to university in Kuwait, right? And a lot of us, like Aziz and I, we studied abroad. So that's four years, yeah, four years system, or whatever yeah. that yeah. They're, they're away. So it is tough. And I think what also makes it harder is it's a very transitional state. So a lot of people will come to work for a year, two years, and you'll invest a lot of time in developing and training them, getting them involved more in the club, and then a year goes by and they're gone. But we're working on it. Like We've put a lot more effort into our social media this year. We're trying to put posts out, you know, some of the gyms. I know the girls rugby team, they put some posts out at the Palms. And so I've been getting people contacting me about that. But uh, the other thing, honestly, is the location, right? So Ahmadi, for some people who don't have a car, is quite it's quite far away. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, and taxis aren't cheap. But so. dude, it's a beautiful facility. I mean, you got yeah. you have IHOP, Starbucks, yeah. Sultan Center. <laughs> no, I mean it's a perfect place for a Kuwait. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> be like, yeah, the like, kitchen's amazing. Yeah, like, same really thing. It's got IHOP. So why would you not want to go? Dude, that's how I sold. That's how I sold it to the Kuwaitis on coming out for like softball. <laughs> I was like, look, they got IHOP. You know, they have a Starbucks. You know, Starbucks before. Yeah, yeah, IHOP Starbucks after. Yeah, dude, it's fantastic. Yeah. Blaze Pizza, also Sweet. Canes. Oh, yeah, they open up Blaze out there. Yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, if you need someone for your social media, um, <laughs> there you go. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> <PR. laughs> a dietitian, right? Yeah. Guys, yeah. Blaze Pizza. Blaze Pizza. My son. All right, my my son's the pickiest eater in the world, and he took one bite of Blaze last week, and he was like. Oh, I love this stuff. Dude, he's four years old. He he mowed down almost a full pizza, left like one piece. And usually I'm used to like eating half the yeah. pizza. Like, where's the rest of my I know. I was like, <laughs> like, where's the rest of my, my portion over here? But now, the facilities are amazing. I KOC mean, yeah. KOC actually did a very good job. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you're if you familiar with the old pitch that oh, we used to have. I, yeah. I played softball at the old softball yeah. field, so I know what your pitch was like. So, it was dirt. It was. Uh, do you guys have was, the big boulders out there too? No, because we had every time we had a game. Because again, uh, part of the league, we had to host people here in Kuwait. So whenever we had people coming to Kuwait, we would go and we would comb it. So the day before that, <laughs> we would go and comb the field to get all the rocks out of it. And then at the same time, we had a guy with a with an actual comb on the back of his car, and he would go and to level out the whole area. And then we had a a big uh, water tanker to come and <laughs> put water on the grounds just to make it more. You could say softer beach-like situation, but yeah, yeah, to go from that to what we have right now, which is the stands are beautiful, the facility, uh, bathrooms for everybody. This is what makes it makes it very nice. And then to bring your family out there is it's beautiful because they have you know you'll watch the game and all of that. But then, like we mentioned, there's restaurants, there's a Sultan Center over there for people to go before the game or after the game. And uh, on certain days, we have discussions with KOC and they actually bring in other food trucks and all of that oh, uh, amazing. over there. So, no, no, it's a very good setup. And uh, they just opened it two years ago. Right. And um, with this opening two years ago, what has happened is they're looking to grow it more and more. So they're actually 
putting pressure on us to are bring more gonna, and more are games. Are they going <laughs> to fund you guys for the fitness month that they're doing in March? Someone told me about that. Someone reached out to me and they were like, yeah, we're having a fitness month. We want you to put together a softball, a softball league for the month. And I was like, um, okay, I'll help, but you know, <laughs> I've got a lot going on. So, and sorry, just to retract, do you guys, um, have a turf field also? No, no. Because they put turf in for the uh, softball field. Yeah, it's, it's a half softball, half baseball field. They totally, <laughs> yeah. They, they, I think someone like, yeah, someone like started building it and then they realized, oh, well, let's, let's, you know, we don't know what a softball field is or a baseball field. So let's just give something in the middle. A little bit of both. It was, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's definitely a weird situation. The field is an artificial turf field, but uh, back then there was a uh, rugby committee and the rugby committee ensured that the pitch or the artificial turf is not like these other artificial turf you have here in Kuwait where after one year it becomes like uh, concrete. No, they make it in a way where it's still soft enough for tackling and uh, because it's an artificial turf, you're still going to have those rug burns, let's call them, that uh, you typically get when you tackle somebody. But uh, other than that, the, the the pitch is a beautiful pitch. Yeah, very, very. They nice. put a lot of money into it. They yeah, definitely yeah. put a lot of money into the facilities. They do have good turf. I can tell you because when a softball bounces, it will go twenty feet over your head. Because <laughs> there's differences in turf. Like you guys want that, you know, soft kind of bounce, you know, for the knees, whatever. But in baseball and softball, you don't want that bounce. And they, I think they use the uh, tire moldings. You know how they crush that's up the right. old tires. Yeah, I think that's what they use. And they get everywhere. Yeah. You spend a long time cleaning up after that. After the game, yeah. <laughs> no, but they even, they keep it, you know, these other areas that they don't spend the money with, for instance, uh, irrigating it. Yes, it's artificial turf, but you need that irrigation to keep that, uh, the rubber not to become uh, basically plastic, like hard plastic <laughs> that cuts you when you... Not only that, so, the dust as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible. Well, you don't think about it, but you have to water artificial pitches because of the dust. Like during preseason, the worst thing you can have is to be sprinting behind a guy and just, just eating yeah. dust. It's yeah, disgusting. True. So yeah. So not just that, even when you get tackled, imagine you being tackled and now under the rock and this dust of everybody <laughs> stomping and everything, you can't even breathe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they do a very good job at least two, three days before even the day of. They would water the pitch so we could have at least minimal, you could say, dust getting kicked up back again on us. I mean, mind you, like when, when I used to play rugby, like in some of the lower leagues in Hampshire, in the yeah. UK, like it wasn't dust, it was water. Mm. Uh, yeah. So like you'd be at the bottom of the ruck and you'd be like, <laughs> almost drowning. <laughs> like, kind of, yeah, I think we had one game that I think was, was uh, yeah, was postponed because there was literally like a head's worth of, of water, uh-huh, yeah. water on, sat on the pitch. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a little bit dangerous, but, yeah, I, I would probably take dust over that. I don't know. We'll take you up for that one. I don't know what you I'd have to try both. But, but one, yeah, the water wasn't a, wasn't a nice experience. Yeah. But that's that's the UK, though. <laughs> UK in rainy season, <laughs> which is all, all season. I'll, right. take, I'll, take, I'll take rain over dust any day of the week. Yeah. We yeah. had in November, when we had all that rain here in uh, Kuwait, yeah. it was actually very beautiful. We went out to one of those games. Of course, the roads, we had a couple of uh, shutdowns that we had to do because of the roads, but there was one day where it was actually raining and we were, uh, because it was before the Dubai Sevens. So we all came out there and it was actually so beautiful to go and play yeah. out in the rain, in the cold. It was also cold and perfect. It was beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those rare opportunities you get to play in the rain here. Yeah. Like I say, when I, as a child, I was playing rugby in the UK and, uh, you know, you'd always have 
the clever guy sliding in from two or three meters away. <laughs> yeah. You try that in Kuwait, you burn all your, your knees, you burn <laughs> off. Yeah. But during that particular training session, we had a lot of boys just vroom, diving in and sliding and enjoying the moisture. Boy, Scottish boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. That definitely sounds like. So you were talking about social media earlier. How would you say the level of engagement is in Kuwait in terms of rugby or these authentic, these, these, you know, sports? that no one really knows about because I know how it is with baseball. Mm -hmm. How is it for you guys? Like our engagement level for baseball, um, long story short, they ran an ad, I think last year in the newspaper, if I'm not mistaken. And I didn't really see any differences in numbers. In mm -hmm. fact, I kind of, I've seen the numbers go down significantly over the years. And I think that's because there are a lot of expats that are leaving right. or not bringing their families back to Kuwait or bringing their kids into Kuwait. So how is it for you guys in terms of engagement from a social media perspective and from the public perspective? So I think from social media, you have to look at the different platforms, right? So we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook. Now, Kuwait, I would say Instagram and Snapchat are probably king, but I don't, we don't have a club Snapchat account because we don't really... I don't know. I, I don't think it's the appropriate platform. Doesn't matter anymore. They're bankrupt. Right okay. Now, so. Regardless. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> but uh, we tried to put focus on doing more on Instagram over this past year because we noticed that more Kuwaitis are using Instagram than Facebook, for example. But our platform where we get the most engagement is Facebook. And again, because the majority of people who know rugby are expats. So they arrive in Kuwait. The first thing they do is like search on Google or search on Facebook, Kuwait rugby. So most of our contacts and communication is through Facebook, but I'm trying to push it more towards Instagram and that, but if that's what the people want. But yeah, we get a lot of emails as well. So I have a, a website that's not really as updated. Like we, we notice that people aren't so interested in websites anymore. Yeah. They want social media, right? Because of that direct communication. Makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, most of the people, when when they want to learn, okay, how do I get there? They contact us through Instagram or Facebook. But in comparison to other sports, it's not that big, right? Because we don't run advertisements. We don't run all of this costs money. And we're, we're running on a very limited budget. Yeah. You know, it's not like the company I work for, they probably spend 1 million or 2 million KD a year on advertising. Us as a bunch of volunteers playing rugby, it's not much we're not going to be spending money on on advertising, unfortunately. So what are the trainings and practices like? I mean, what are the trainings and practices like? What are the timings like in case someone listening wants to go out there and find you guys? You know, we already talked about it. it's in Ahmadi over by KOC. It's the KOC fields. You can't miss it. It's no. the uh, exit no. 212 and you know, you're right there. So what are your, um, what are the training timings? What are the practices like? If someone listening to this <laughs> just doesn't have any of your contact information, just wants to go to the field. Yeah, yeah no problem. So we have, again, we have, uh, a female team and a male team. So the females will practice from five till seven on a Monday and it's an Ahmadi. And then we'll practice, the men will practice from seven till nine on the Monday. And the men will also practice seven till nine on the Wednesday. Practice, it depends on the time of season, right? So typically pre-season will start at the end of July or the first week of August. And pre-season is fitness. 
You know, it's it's hot, it's humid. You're talking 45 <laughs> degrees Celsius. There, huh? <laughs> you know, hey, I'm his agent. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm his, I'm his agent. <laughs> Each game you want him to play is going to cost around 150k. There we go. It's 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 70 30. Right. I was just going to play for free, but like, okay, but <laughs> <laughs> and so. Something we introduced this year, which I thought was really cool, were these uh, GPS tracking devices. So this is something we notice that we want to really see the impact of training. And is our training emulating the games? Because at the end of the day, the whole point of training is to perform at your peak during the game. So with this, during the preseason, you know, we just put everyone, it's a company called Titan Sensor, amazing piece of kit. You just like, Texas. yeah, yeah the, the guys are from Houston. You wear this vest, it looks a bit like a bra. So it's not the coolest looking thing, right? You've probably That's seen the soccer players. Sensor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, th- these guys got to give us a, a little sponsorship here if we're mentioning so much. Giving them a hell of a shout out. <laughs> but, um, so we've been, you know, we're able to track people's speed. We're able to track the distance that they're traveling, the the internal load that's been put on oh, them. Amazing. So there's a lot of stuff that we're seeing. So what's nice is you can do the whole periodization. So we're trying to cater our training so that when the weekend comes, we're peaking at that oh, point. That's fun. That's, yeah, that's yeah. freaking phenomenal. And it's How great because you can see cost. there in KD, maybe around 70 no KD way. or that's, something. That's nothing. It's I not mean, bad. For, for, yeah, for yeah. equipment like that. If you look at what some of these fitness watches are costing. Basically the same, yeah. Nah. But there are so many brands, right? I'm not just, <laughs> I'm not marketing or anything for them, but this is something we introduced. And so typically pre-season, mostly fitness, anaerobic fitness, getting people, getting that core strength and fitness up for the season. As we get towards September, then the games start coming in thick and fast. So September, we switch to skills. So there'll always be a bit of fitness, but we'll start working on our ball handling skills, tactics, uh, specific set plays, these type of things. So. It's very varied. We don't want people to get bored. But again, everything is game specific. And what kind of uh, like training modalities do you do with the with your guys, like either during preseason or anything? Is it like, is it, for example, like you use CrossFit or do you use like kind of like hip training or what kind of, yeah. what can people kind of expect? So rugby, again, as you know, it's a lot of anaerobic fitness. So I think the hit, again, for me, I vote I'm coaching it more like a traditional rugby coach, but we have guys who are personal trainers, right? So every day we'll, we'll think, okay, this session, you can run something that's a bit like CrossFit or a bit like HIT. For us, because we don't have access to gyms for free, right? We, and got a lot of the guys, again, the budget's very low. So we don't have a specific gym, whereas some of the other clubs around the Gulf, they have, okay, let's say on a Wednesday, it's, we're in the gym and we're doing pure weights. So for us, it's mostly body weight stuff or, or fitness. And this is where HIT, is is pretty good for us yeah uh, but uh yeah it's hard we want to get like a scrum machine out there we want to get sleds but all of this just what's costs a scrum so machine much. <laughs> <laughs> i know what a scrum is that's yeah. when you all pull around each other and something right. gets in the middle it's yeah. like, so like a machine thing. would be like a just basically like an, an iron version of the other side other so side, yeah. like yeah so like so you, you'd have like your your pack of eight yeah you'd uh that's you'd the weirdest thing with like pads <laughs> so you know like in american football they have the pads yeah, so like you you're on the floor, things. you come out, yeah, you hit the pad. Yeah, very similar to that. It's like, a similar thing, but like you said, so unless you have a very big team where you could bring in the two teams together for that uh, train uh, in your scrum, the machine is the best thing to have. Okay. Um, so it offers like some force to push against. 
So you normally just find the fattest people and heaviest people you can and just push against them. That's, that's the cheapest version of it. Yeah. Well, there's many types of these machines out there. There are machines that you could put actually on a car. You could put machines on walls. You could put machines on the sleds that we're looking at. But at the end, it gives you the same results that you're looking for. Unfortunately, to get these machines, they're not small machines that you yeah. could, you know, put in a box and bring over here. They're big machines that you have to ship over here. And to get them, first of all, there's no place here in Kuwait will sell them. We've been debating about building one ourselves, getting one of these guys, these uh, metal workers to build one for us. But uh, you need to worry about safety, safety, right? Safety is a big thing. <laughs> Honestly, one thing I've learned here in Kuwait, because the, the league's always done this. They've been doing it for the last like 10 years, maybe, where they'll have a, uh, a mound built. You know, mm. baseball pitchers pitch off of a mound. So they'll have it made out of fiberglass. And usually I'm skeptical. I'm always skeptical when something's built here in Kuwait. But, I mean, they've lasted a season or a season or two, and some of them lasted three seasons. Yeah, the, the turf will rip up because of the cleats and everything or, you know, just because of the wear and tear. But overall, I've seen things, you know, they're built and, you know, some of these guys, they can build it right. And they can build it well. Oh, 100%. So it, it'd definitely be something to look into. I'm going to have a rig built at my house. Yeah. I'm building a place right now. So instead of buying a rig, <laughs> I'm going to try and cut costs. They just have one built. I'm just showing it to a guy and just saying, hey, this is the picture. This is what I want. Build it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's metal work. So as long as you have it like taped up and no sharp edges, <laughs> you'd, you'd be all right. If you, if you need it stress testing, then I'll come and do some gymnastics on it. Oh, you definitely come. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we've had uh, actually we've been in negotiations with the KOC because if KOC does not get to the point of there's a budget that they place towards the uh, committees that they have, the different types of committees, and being that we have the rugby committee with them, they have offered to kind of bring equipment in for us. But they're having a little bit of issues with uh, um, the budgets themselves. But once we get our budget, we'll see exactly if we could bring this uh, device. If not, then they have their own contractors that we could see exactly yeah. if we have the dimensions and if we have the the numbers for this uh, um, uh a scrum machine or any other uh, type of device that we need, we could probably go with them and see. KOC, you know, I know this is kind of like a shout out to them, but they've actually taken they're very good uh, care of us. If it wasn't for them, a lot of the things that we have right now would not be available for us. From the pitch itself to even the medical stuff, we were just talking before we started this thing about medical stuff in Kuwait. It's very difficult and for us to host games or to have any type of game here in Kuwait. You have to have uh, medical staff available because it's a contact sport. And going through the ministry, it's a big cost on us. So uh, KOC offers it for us uh, for free, of course, and could get, you know, one or two or three uh, ambulances available for us. So it's, it's a very good uh, service that they provide. That's amazing. They've always been good like that. I mean, KOC, they built the fields for the Americans in the 90s so they could play softball. Then they rebuilt them now, and even there is no, there, there are barely any Americans left over at KOC compared yeah. to, you know, the, back in those days. So it's great that you guys have that support. And especially from, a, you know, an organization here in Kuwait that's really not doing it for the money or doing it. They don't, there's no charges. There's nothing there. And, you know, it's, it's corporate social responsibility. This is a 100%. You were talking about that they contacted you guys regarding the sports day that they're trying to do. They have actually contact, uh, contacted us and they wanted us to have some type of uh, small tournament for them. So the whole idea is to have a huge sport day with multiple sports being played at their uh, sporting complex that they have over there. One of them being rugby. They want to have CrossFit. They want to have the hockey. They want to have 
soccer, of course, to be played over there. So this is what they're trying to do for this day. Kind of reminds me of a Renaissance. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Renaissance fairs in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. basically the same kind of idea. They have kind of sporting, old sporting events happening, but at the same time, they're trying to bring in even vendors to have food vendors and shops and all of that. So you could watch the games, do the sports, eat and have fun. That's what they're trying Just to always, do. Just always, great, takes a great while. atmosphere. Yeah. But that's amazing. That's that's great. It, the the sad thing is is the, the the legalities of it take a long time. It's getting the paper signed off by the guy at t- this level and that level. It just takes forever. Yeah. You know, in any semi government industry. So yeah, and it's frustrating. I think from like uh, from an outsider's point of view, seeing like some of the things that like t- are very quick to go through, and kind of some things that I see like as important, like kind of sports and just generally like that kind of community in general, like it seems like th- these things kind of take quite, quite a lot of time. And uh, it seems like these are the things that actually keep people together and kind of try to get, uh, we talk a lot about combating the Kuwaiti obesity epidemic. Yeah. And like, so if it was like playing rugby, like it can be fun. It doesn't have to be like, you don't always have to play uh, like collision based rugby. It could be touch rugby or something mm-hmm. like that just to stay fit. Um, and obviously the weather is perfect right now two or three months of the year it's kind of absolutely perfect for something like that and it just seems like we just like these uh these ministries should be doing a little bit more to kind of help help it's, everyone it's do tough. it's do tough more. dude we were banned from the olympics for how many years yeah. you know what i mean like we we are ousted yeah. from everything dude i remember reaching out to the uh baseball you know the baseball federation and they're like you know everything was going good and they're like oops wait you guys are banned man you know so i think there's a huge drop-off I'm assuming in a lot of sports in Kuwait. And I know I've seen it. Like kids aren't, kids aren't doing it like before. You know, you don't have kids outside playing sports. And you obviously see like a, like in the sports shops, there's a lot of like football boots and stuff like that available. There's obviously like people who are still doing it. There's people who are still buying, buying the kit and everything like that. But it doesn't seem like, yeah, we don't. I mean, I'm even, I even work in the fitness industry and I don't really see that much of it. And it would just be really nice. I know like obviously from the importance of sports and uh, grassroots sport in, in the UK. And how important it is to the community and building friends and building relationships and building kind of like, I guess, the young people's desire to like stay in one place and build a community with each other. And it kind of seems like that's kind of missing a little bit, although it does seem like it's been growing over the last kind of 12 months, like little by little. Be interesting to. And that's one of the things like we're trying to put initiatives in here now. Like you say, not everybody wants to play collision sports but they still want to be fit. So some of the initiatives we have is getting people into rugby who normally wouldn't want to play yeah. rugby union 15s or what have you, or 7s. So this year we put a, we made a flag rugby league. So this started a few months back and it's going to run all the way into March. And the idea is to play the finals during this KOC uh, oh, fitness nice. thing. Yeah, nice. so we have... So how, how many do you need per team? So in this, it's like a six aside thing, but I'm looking at Liam. Uh, over here. I'm going to start recruiting right now. Get, get him on a I'll team. Just yeah. be a coach. I just like win it, man. I'll just sit on the bench the whole time. I, I would highly advise you not to put me in a non-collision sport. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. So last, last year we had a lot of touch, uh, touch rugby tournaments, right? So touch rugby, the idea is not to be aggressive. It's to be a bit of fun. I think people are more aggressive playing the non-collision versions. <laughs> you know, people are just really angry, right? So there's a lot of cheating that goes on. There's a lot, oh, you know. Nah. Like I can kind of run fast, but I can't slow down very fast. <laughs> so like, I don't want to use someone who's not expecting me to use them That's to slow good, down. Man. That's all good. That's all good, dude. This is what uh, yeah. I play uh, the American flag football uh, um, uh, They had a tournament here in May, I think, May or uh, April last year. 
And that was my biggest issue. I got called so many times and penalized so many times because I would run, 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 and I would hit somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't intentional. It was just, uh, you're running and you can't stop. So just you hit uh, the soul. <laughs> old knees, eh? Old <laughs> knees. <laughs> yeah, the old knees, you can't. It's like you and then can't the, stop on uh, a dime anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're playing on their pitch, which their pitch that they were having is basically concrete. So you can't stop right away on these things. So, is that still out in Mansouria? No, they were playing in uh, Deia, Merka Shabab Deia. They were playing. Oh, okay. There. So they switched it up it's a little bit. a soccer bit, field that they yeah. have over there and you know it's uh, probably multiple years so it's now been tramped uh, trampled on so many times that it's it's like a concrete so you can't go to that complete stop if you needed to and you know everybody's crossing each other and all of that and it happens you just knock into somebody apparently you can't even go towards that (laughs) in that game so you get called out on it but yeah this initiative of the uh, rugby flag, uh, uh, flag rugby league that we've done. It's actually been a very good success. We have what six teams, I think we have. And every oh, you guys three weeks, six teams. That's yeah. amazing. And that's, what's nice is a lot of them really good numbers yeah. for Kuwait. And most of the teams are non Kuwait Scorpions rugby players. So it's great because we're getting people from outside yeah. of the normal community to play. And it was the same as last year. Last year, we had a lot of successful mixed touch rugby tournaments. But unfortunately, this year, it's, it's been difficult to find a venue that will allow mixed sports. And yeah. that's been one of our biggest... Ahmadi won't allow it? Ahmadi, they used to allow it. So last year was was perfectly fine, but apparently we had a few complaints from passers-by because Ahmadi is yeah, a very open yeah, area, right? Yeah. And because of the restaurants and people, yep. some people just weren't happy. So again, you don't want to offend and you don't want to that's upset. True. So that's very true. Like I say, KOC have been very kind to us to provide... So it's kind of like, yeah, we... Uh, we don't want to yeah. cause issues for them. So it's it's something we're looking into because we know the benefit of that because we do have a women's rugby team and they want to play, but the numbers aren't big enough that we can have a, a women's only league or a women's only tournament. So so the only times they can actually play here in Kuwait is whenever we host uh, teams. So for instance, uh, last not last year, the year before that, Doha came... And uh, we kind of negotiated with them that as you are coming, bring your girls team with you so they could play here. We've been talking to the girls about uh, negotiating with the other teams that they have in the Gulf to say we could host at least a women's tournament. KOC is allowing us to have only women, only men's games, but uh, it's also difficult, like he says, the visa issues that uh, people face coming into Kuwait. There's also in Kuwait, we have uh, issues with that too. It's lenient, more lenient than Saudi, but still... We have also issues with certain nationalities that are having very difficulties getting into Kuwait um, uh, to play these games. So, yeah. So, re- real quick, before you know, we're 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 coming, we're running up on the uh, the mark here. So, real <laughs> quick, I had a question for you. What are some of the um, biggest issues you've had from people trying to lend a helping hand? Let's say that have no idea or have no clue what the sport's about, because I've seen it in baseball. I've yeah. definitely seen it in baseball where you got these guys who have never played a game in their life and they're trying to run an entire league. And I'm assuming you guys are rugby. Like it, it must be a lot more complicated. Your rules are a lot more crazier than baseball. So, so how, how has that journey been? Because I know how it's been for baseball, been tough. It's been really tough, especially for me being around the game so much of my life and having guys that have never played just, you know, barking out orders or saying, we're going to do it like this. And they just don't have a clue. So how is it for you guys? Is it the same or? See, what's, like you say, I think one of the difficult things is, you know, we need referees who are qualified. We need coaches who are qualified. We need this. So most of us are 
co- like qualified coaches because we've played abroad. We've done the certifications. We're actually running next week. Uh, Asia Rugby are coming over to do certification. So we have 16 people who, after next Saturday, inshallah, they'll be World Rugby Level 1 certified coaches. So we do bring this type of stuff to try and educate the guys if they do want to coach. Refereeing is a bit more difficult. We've always, since I came in 2011, we've always had local certified referees. However, this year they've all either traveled or moved on from the area. And then in the olden days, the union who organized the league used to provide the referees for free. Okay. This year, there's been a lot of politics in the union. I'm talking the GCC the golf league. Yeah, yeah. And so now they're requesting the teams to pay upwards of two to 300 KD every game to bring a referee in. Wow. Which wow. again, for a team on no budget, it's basically my pocket or Aziz's yeah. pocket. And you got no booze in Kuwait, there's, so there's no incentive to come here either. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny yeah. thing, right? So you when tell me to go and coach an up a game in Dubai, I'm like, all right, sure, man. <laughs> you know, you tell anyone in Kuwait, hey, go referee a game in Dubai or Bahrain. They're like, yeah, sure, I'll be on the first plane out, man. I'll do it for free. <laughs> like, it's in two weeks' time. Hell, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, go hell, I'll pay you. <laughs> Actually, most of the refs, they get, they see when the start of the game is. They're in the five minutes before the game starts and they leave right. five minutes after. So. <laughs> Just the refs, also the teams that yeah, the come team. here. Yeah. It's a big issue. You know, we don't have very good, uh, let's say, uh, um, uh, entertainment uh, here in Kuwait uh, unless you have families. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a, one of the difficulties that we face as people coming over here. It used to be they would use the excuse of uh, our pitch, the sand pitch that we had. They never wanted to come and play on it. Now they don't have that excuse because we have this very, uh, you know, state of the art pitch. But uh, yeah, exactly what he's saying. And there's a lot of politics that are happening. We don't want to kind of discuss the, the, the politics of the GCC politics that are happening over here that has af- affected sports, let's call politics it. Politics suck in general. Yeah. They always screw up the sports. Um, Definitely. Yeah, you could see it. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I'd say uh, the root cause is cost. Let's, let's cost break it down a little bit here. So when, like I say, it's not like in the UK where you get on a bus 20 minutes, the cost to fly to some of these countries, the v- cost of visas, and not only that, it's the flight paths, you know, because then you have to pay for hotels, right? You have to pay for internal travel and all of this. And because we don't receive sponsorship, we don't receive funding, you know, Aziz and I were very fortunate that we work in positions where, you know, if it's 100KD to travel for the weekend to play rugby, it's not a big deal for us. But for some of the guys on our team, that's their monthly salary. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, this is one of the most difficult things. So we want to get like you say, to grow grassroots rugby again, get it into the schools. We don't have it in schools right now. Get the young Kuwaitis playing rugby so that we have that strong recruitment drive later on and we can build our own league inside of Kuwait, not having to rely on, okay, every weekend I'm paying 100 KD or what have you to go to Bahrain or Dubai or Qatar, wherever, you know, it's, this is the biggest cost. It's always the root cause. It's, it's the cost, unfortunately. And, you know, even when you go to companies to try and get sponsorship, like this year, we almost won the Dubai Sevens. We lost by two points in the semifinals, which is one kick. Wow. And, wow. See, if you had and this that's guy with that, team. 
I would have probably lost by 20. It'd have been done after five minutes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 real full oh, time. Yeah, oh, yeah, doing 150k a game, man. Uh, we have to explain to him what, what sevens yeah, are. I'm heavy. I did a wad with this guy the other day. He's got the endurance and you know we won it a couple of years ago so we have talented players but the, like i say getting the guys able to compete like we would probably win the league every year but we win our home games we travel we travel with a depleted squad we lose an away game so it's this is the biggest difficulty right it's a struggle we had we had the same thing with softball a few years ago i mean we we, I played softball in Dubai. There was a big tournament that used to go on over there. They stopped it since, but we would recruit all the Americans here in Kuwait. And there was the Kings, which they've been, they were winning the Dubai tournament for years. And we were the Sand Devils at the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm a catcher. I was on the bench because, you know, I, softball, I'm not playing in the field. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, <laughs> it's, it really is. So one year we, you know, we beat them and we were shooting for sponsorship and we actually got it. We got it because someone was loyal to, you know, the game. And it's like, once you find someone like that, you know, hopefully that will take off for you. But this is, so this is the same scenario that we have here. We've had sponsorships in the past, but again, it goes back to, do you have somebody who plays for the, uh, plays for the team or loves the game so much that he is willing to talk to his company to do something like that. And typically these guys have to be very high up in the company. So we used to have the uh, big, big name sponsors. I don't want to mention because they're not sponsors anymore, <laughs> but big, big name companies here in Kuwait, they used to sponsor the rugby. But the only reason why they used to sponsor the rugby was, was because the COO or the CFO or somebody in that company was ex rugby player and loves rugby. So they said, okay, we could put a small budget towards uh, this uh, club. But unless you find that, you will not have it here. The only thing you could get are these kind of semi-sponsorships similar to what we have with KOC right now. Those are the sponsorships that we're looking. But even with them, they don't pay for, they, they focus mostly on Kuwait. So if I bring te- teams here in Kuwait, if I host people here, they would sponsor anything or they would uh, pay for anything I need here. But for me to go outside of Kuwait, they have issues. Of course, they have to deal with their you know, critics and all of that about paying money towards a team that's going outside of Kuwait instead of here in Kuwait. So they don't, they shy away from these types of things. And understandably, so they do these types of things. But anything in Kuwait, they will sponsor it 100%. If it brings, again, the the fun to the community, they would do it. But outside of Kuwait, they will question it <laughs> left and right. But... Uh, they, they, there's a lot of positives that are coming uh, towards the club itself. Again, his, the plans that we were talking about, we do want to start with this league and hopefully this league will grow. Uh, we don't want to start with, you know, some people, they just want to jump from zero to 100. We don't want to go towards that. We want to see it that let's grow it within the youth teams. The Saracens, we've had uh, many discussions with them, the youth club. We want to have touch rugby so we could bring people towards the concept of rugby, how to play rugby. Like we've mentioned before, even if people don't know how to play the game, we invite anybody towards uh, um, our trainings and we would do specific trainings for them to teach them the game, the laws, the rules of the game. And then hopefully they grow with us. We've had some people actually came in with zero skills, never played. Actually, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I've never played. I was an American football uh, person and uh, I came to Kuwait uh, 2008 and I was looking for contact sports. 
Um, there was the American football, but uh, they weren't established yet. And I found the rugby. Uh, my manager back then was a South African guy, taught me the game, and I played with them. And now I'm chairman of the club. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so Amazing. It's, it's a fun game. I love it. Uh, and uh, this is what we want. We want to grow the people that we believe will be here for a long time. But we still don't tell no to the expats that are here on contracts and all of that. We still say no to them or we don't say no to them. But we still want to recruit the Kuwaitis. We want to uh, recruit these expats that we know that they're going to be here for many, many years to be part of this club. So the main thing, you want to leverage the experience and the quality of the expats to come and teach the younger generations of the Kuwaitis to grow. And I think one of the biggest or nicest uh, compliments of the club is when some of our friends leave and they go on to other countries and they tell me, saying the best like thing about the last two years of my life in Kuwait was the rugby. So it's nice to hear that, right? So we're providing them, you know, we're opening their eyes to a new community that they didn't realize was in the country. And at the same time, they're playing a sport they love and they're traveling to different destinations that they may not have traveled to if they were just here as a teacher or just here as, you know, a worker at a company. So it's it's positive going forward. We have a lot of interesting stuff coming up and I just hope that we can continue to grow and get the right exposure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, a good example of that was uh, Jennifer. She's new to Kuwait. Uh, she's part of Fuji she actually, Sultan. She, yeah, yeah, she actually, she's the one who got the interview. She was like, oh, you know, you should interview yeah. the Kuwait Scorpions. I was like, yeah, definitely, dude. Liam would love this. <laughs> like, the British guy would love it. <laughs> yeah, but she was new to Kuwait. Uh, she never heard of uh, the Dubai Sevens, and uh, we had discussions with her about it, and uh, Fozia Sultan uh, were gracious enough to allow her to come in and represent Fozia Sultan and be our physio over there. It was actually one of the greatest feelings to have her over there because we would typically, there's multiple games that you have, you know, with sevens. And typically after the first game, second game, you're, that's it, you're broken down. You don't feel like playing. But having her over there, everybody was ready and fit for the next game, the next game, the next game. I think it's the so. first time I've been to the sevens and the whole squad that started was fit by the end of it. Like you say, typically <laughs> the first day you'll play like three or four games. And then you'll start with a squad of 12. And by the second day, you, maybe you've got a squad of nine. By the final <laughs> yeah. day, maybe you don't have enough people. <laughs> so amazing work. Like having a physio go with you and treat the guys prior to and after the game, proper stretching, all the needling and all the different proper physio techniques were just, oh, massive, massive for recovery, right? Because Normally, we just chuck them in an ice bath and be like, right, guys, strap yourselves up. Don't fall apart. You'll be good. But no, no, it's, it's day and night, the difference that it made having having a proper physio with that's, us. So. That's that's really nice. So wrapping wrapping up, I guess we could say you, you guys' project is to just, because we're the Project Kuwait. So we always ask everybody, what's your project? And I'm, I think it's safe to say your project is building the game of rugby in Kuwait. Definitely. I want Kuwait team at the Olympics because sevens, rugby sevens is a, now an Olympic sport. Really? And I've I always would, wanted to be in the Olympics. You I would love players, nothing more. Baby steps out. First, we want to get it in the schools. Once we have it in the schools, we want to have more local clubs. And we want to have different types, not just contact, but also have competitive touch, competitive flag, 15s rugby, 7s rugby. But competing the Olympics, for me, would be the ultimate goal. Yeah. You see, one of the things that we're looking at, like we said, this, these non-contact tournaments to start with, and then the other point, when we go into the contact part, we would like, me and Hassan love uh, rugby union, the uh, original one, the 15s. 
But technically speaking, looking at sevens would be the best thing to start with in Kuwait. A sevens team, you just need 12 up to 15 people. That's it. But with a 15 squad, you need at least minimum 25 to 30 people. Yeah, subs and all of those other things, people getting injured. So it's very difficult to have a league, start up a league in Kuwait with 30 people. You mean you need to have at least three or four teams to have a league or four to six teams to have a league, each one to have 30, you know, personnel on them. That's very difficult. But now when you have a sevens tournament here, it becomes much easier. Each team having 15 it becomes manageable in the situation. It's more fun so, to watch too. America have an amazing plan how how they grew sevens rugby. When I was at university in America, very few people played rugby. Like my university was one of the best sevens rugby teams in the country. And now going from nobody knowing much about rugby there, they have one of the best sevens rugby teams in the world. Wow. Like they wow. have the last two sevens tournaments in Cape Town and in Dubai, they were in the finals in both. They oh, lost in the amazing. finals, but to go from a team who were a laughing stock to now they're putting the pain on people like Fiji, actually, South Africa. Um, they, they take they're it actually they yeah. take it from seriously. a point uh, system. They're number mm. one now yeah. from a point system. Wow. Because sevens, you don't have to be the most skilled and most knowledgeable. It's more about fitness and athleticism. So it's easier to get people fit and athletic and then teach them the skills later. So this is something I think we do want to focus on because it's more fun for the watcher. And it's easier to coach than to people. Says the for, forward guy. Yeah, says the fat forward guy. <laughs> Runs like an old man. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome, guys. It's, it's been a pleasure having you guys on. And hopefully the sport grows. And whatever we can do here at the project to help you guys grow it, you know, let us know. Like, Appreciate seriously. It, I, th- I think there's something we know we can do. I think we should come down to training. Yeah, you've got yeah. to come out. Like, <laughs> you've got to come out. Train, we? We've got to come down and throw, throw a ball around. I want to see you pass the ball. Hey, it's like a flip this way or something. Like, just just yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure as shit not this way. You know, but it always has to be a lateral. So you know the terminal, it has to be a lateral you, you pass. And it's like that way. So I, I, I get that, Pat. I, get that. I think everyone wants to see that. I think uh, for our listeners, if we get that video I'm gonna YouTube, br- I'm going to bring the camera. Yeah. I'll bring the camera. All right, so everyone I think we need to lift him in the lineouts yeah, as well. Yeah. See how he see how he deals with that. I want to see all of that. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, coming man. for that. Sign me up. Um, if you guys would like, we have uh, on the 11th. We have an inner squad, which is next uh, Friday. We have an inner squad game. It's just going to be an inner squad game between Are you us. Here? I'm in Bahrain, unfortunately. Oh, man. Like, all right. Um, if you guys want, yeah. it's a like we said, it's a good atmosphere to bring the family and all of that just to watch the game. So we for, will the, probably, for the listeners, that's next Friday, the 11th. I'm, well, only, doing it, I'm right. only doing it if Liam's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> only doing it, you won't yeah. be playing in that one. What's your February uh, schedule like? Because are you guys yeah. practicing in February? Because this episode actually might drop sometime in February, I'm assuming. Uh, okay. actually, yeah, 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 it's yeah. definitely going to drop sometime in February, maybe right. towards the end. Okay. So you guys have a steady schedule. So on in your February Instagram? we're gonna have yeah. I'm gonna I'll put the schedule up on Instagram. Okay, like great. we always update it. But coming up we have like next weekend. It's gonna be obviously next week is not February, but we have the inter squad, then the the um, rugby certification. Then we have the flag rugby tournament in February. There's a possibility of a few more inter squad games and also a military game, depending. Okay. The problem with those is we only know like a week or so before because of the nature of it. But we've been in touch with Adafjan, the US military, and they're looking within the next month or two. Okay. So hopefully in February, we'll probably be playing those guys. We have the flag tournament, and then 
maybe another inter-squad. Well, I think if we throw out a newsletter, if you guys send us your schedule for the rest of the year to like May or so, May or something, we'll th- we can throw it in the newsletter. Yeah, Why sure. not? You know, definitely. And we'll throw maybe throw it up on Instagram. We got to check with like our marketing people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I think you've got to get out to training yeah, at least we'll, one yeah, we session. Will. We will. We definitely we'll come. will. We'll, we'll they had Rob well. out there. Rob was out there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Rob, play, Rob plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. He, was, he was out there a couple of weeks ago. He went to yeah. the flag thing. And I looked at him. I was like, dude, you're really playing rugby? He was like, yeah. I was like, what if you tore a hamstring or something? Dude, he's serious about his training. So it's like, yeah. I'm like, that's my fear. Going out there, and, you know, like pulling a hamstring. Or, you know, like. <laughs> you should be more worried about getting knocked up. Hey, man, man I'll, I'll take so you on any day of the week. Any day of the week. I'll scrum with you. <laughs> All right, okay. Now you guys have to yeah, come yeah, just, yeah. just to see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you guys have, like those pads in the States where you can like, hold it up. No pads, man. No pads. Not for you. <laughs> well, you I'm are the pad, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the tackle shield. Well, on that note, thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks, thanks you guys very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at the Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.